Folks, uh, I wanted to, to first of all start off uh, by thanking uh, Pastor Ben for bailing me out two weeks ago. Uh, if you were here, you, you know that uh, I had preached that uh, Saturday evening and I, I was getting sick that, that night. I woke up in the morning and uh, I just, I could barely talk and I was extraordinarily just achy and tired. I knew I had to do a wedding that afternoon, so I uh, drugged poor Pastor Ben out of bed at 5.30 in the morning and said, hey Ben, uh, you're going to have to preach my message for me or you're going to have to come up with something really quick, dude. And uh, so I met him here at church about 6.15 and, and, and Pastor Ben really did something that's remarkable. It's, it is very difficult to uh, preach your own stuff, let alone preach somebody else's stuff. And so really grateful for that and uh, grateful for uh, you guys being, being flexible uh, with him. Uh, so while he was doing that, I was at home trying to gather up the strength to be able to go and uh, do this wedding that was scheduled for, for 3.30 in the afternoon and was down in, in York. And so uh, I managed to get myself dressed and I, I gathered up Kath and Kath uh, drove us down to uh, this wedding venue site uh, down in, in Helm, uh, outside of uh, the city of, of York, and uh, I'm bundled up in my overcoat, and the, the wedding's going to go on in a tent, and I'm thinking, tent in October, what are we thinking? And uh, I'm just, you know, they got heat in the tent, but I am just, I'm just dying. And uh, so Cass's like, how you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm doing better than you. And she's like, why? I'm like, because you're going to have to do this wedding, honey. <laughs> I'll sign this certificate, but you're going to do it. She's like, really? And I'm like, well, you know, you work part-time as a chaplain for a warehouse in E-Town. I mean, you probably can do this somehow. And so I get Kath all, all wired up with the, the microphone. And she's like, she's like, really? We're going to do this? I'm like, honey, I can't even stand. And so about five minutes before the wedding was supposed to start, I'm thinking, all right, I can't do this to my wife, you know, suck it up, be a man, do this thing. And so I'm like, okay, honey, give me the mic. So she gives me the mic and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm standing in the area where the guys are and we're supposed to come out. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love about Living Water is the great diversity of our church. And it causes you to learn how to be flexible because, uh, you know, if you're in a, in, a, in a church where it's just, you know, one culture, everybody kind of operates the same way, but... Uh, you know, this wedding that I'm doing is between a, a Caucasian guy and, and a young lady from uh, the Dominican. And uh, if, you know, you're f you know, familiar with people that are from Latin American countries, they operate on a, on a different time schedule than us Anglos do. And uh, so, you know, the, you know, I'm looking at my watch, it's like 3.30, it's like, hey, where's your dad at? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm using all my strength just to stand, you know, and and so like 15 minutes goes by and, you know, sweat's pouring down my face and I'm shivering and uh, finally the, you know, the dad shows up and, and we get the, the wedding started. And so I'm, you know, I'm standing up there in front of them, we got the bride and the groom there and, and uh, much of the family, because they're Dominican, they don't speak English. So we're translating the wedding at the same time. So it's taken like double the time and and I am just, I am dying up there. And, and we're working our way through. And, and Pat Brown's wife, Lillian, is translating for me. And Kathy's sitting out there. And, you know, she's a great wife. And she's got her eyes are like laser beamed on mine, like if I need anything. And so I kind of lip to her. I'm like, I need a chair. And, and, and she kind of lips back, 
what's wrong with your hair? <laughs> and I'm like pointing at the chair. And she's oh, okay. And so she comes up and, and she puts a chair up there. And the people are like, what is going on here? You know, what's wrong with this, you know, balding white dude, you know? And we should have got a, a Dominican pastor. He could have rode this thing out. And uh, so uh, I sit down and, and I'm still, I'm dying. I'm just like, I'm, I don't know that I can make it even sitting down. And so I look over at Lillian and I'm like, Lillian, we just got to get these people married. And I'm, we're going like right to the vows. So, I mean, we skipped all the perfunctory stuff, went right to the vows, exchanged the rings. I pronounced the... Uh, the wedding, you know, the marriage said, you know, you can kiss your bride. So, and, and, and so they kiss and Lillian's like, wait, wait, I got to translate it into Spanish. And so then she translates it into Spanish. I'm like, well, then you get to kiss her again in Spanish now. <laughs> and uh, ended up get, getting, uh, you know, Helly and Dan married and, you know, I headed home and uh, I, I'm still in the process of recovering. Uh, it's been two weeks. It's been a course of antibiotics. Uh, I'm kind of in a, in a little bit of a, a cloud right now. And so uh, if you're new here to, to Living Water, you know, this is your first Sunday, uh, please uh, don't judge uh, our church family on the quality of, of, of today's message, all right? I'm going to need a lot of grace here. And, uh, you know, please, please come back when, it, when another pastor is preaching. They'll do a much better job than I will. So uh, let, let's, let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll read God's Word and get started. Uh, Lord, we come together, and uh, Lord, it's good to laugh. Uh, Father, we live in, in a world right now that, that there's not a whole lot of laughter. Uh, Lord, there, there's fires that are burning people's homes. Uh, Lord, people who are losing their minds go in and, and shoot up nightclubs, uh, Father, family down here in, in uh, Lord, the Dover area has their, their, their dog mauls their, their, their two-year-old. And uh, Lord, we just live in, in a hard time. And uh, so it is good. Uh, it's good to laugh. Uh, but Lord, it's even better to remember that, that your son is alive. And uh, Lord, so as we, we talk about, uh, Lord, these post-resurrection events here as we get ready to wrap up the book of Luke, I... I pray that, uh, Lord, the, the, these words that are, that are printed in your, your Bible would, would resonate in our hearts. I, I pray that, uh, Lord, that I might be able to, uh, Lord, help to, to make sense of some of this stuff. And, uh, Lord, that we might all leave here, uh, Lord, encountering your Son. Because that's really what it's about. It's really about... Uh, Lord, having these, these personal, intimate relationship with your son who uh, works amazing things in our lives. And Lord, in the midst of a, of a world that is really hopeless, that uh, your son gives us hope. Uh, so do that work now in this place, in this time, please. And it's through your son's risen name that we pray to God. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, if you would open up to Luke chapter 24, we're going to work through verses uh, 13 to uh, 35 uh, this morning. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the, on the tables around the room right uh, where those pens were at. And uh, if you're able to stand, if you would do so in honor of God's word, please, as I read it to you. 
Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 13 and uh, following. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them, Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. And they were at the tomb early in the morning. And they did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. Uh, But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor Ben uh, took some, some time and, and, and took you through the uh, account of uh, Jesus' resurrection. And uh, now we're, we're here on, on that, that same day, on that, that, that Sunday after the Passover festival, and uh, we're introduced to, to two of Jesus' disciples. They're not, they're not part of the 11. They were, were part of this larger group of, of followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, they, they have, have witnessed uh, the events of the empty tomb. Uh, the, the, the tomb is empty, and what, what's really interesting here is rather than hanging out in Jerusalem, uh, where all of these people are trying to make sense of stuff, these guys are leaving. They're, they're heading home. 
They're, they're leaving their, their friends behind. They're, they're, they're leaving the, this, um, you know, I, this concept, this, this reality that, 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 that Jesus isn't in the tomb. And, and these guys are heading home. And, and we're, we're told here that, that they're having a discussion. Verse 14, that they're, they're talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And that, that, that term that has been translated here, talking in the ESV, it, it's actually like debating. They're, they're having this you know, this very uh, uh, intense conversation about the events that have happened because it's a pretty big deal. I mean, people don't, you know, typically raise from the dead. Tombs aren't typically open. When you, you know, you go and you bury your aunt or your uncle or your grandma or your grandpa, you know, you, you figure you can go back there the next day and, and they're going to still be there, right? But in, in this case, something incredible has happened. But, but these guys have left. And, and you got to start asking yourself, why in the world have they left? What has happened to them? What, what's going on inside of them that, that, that they've left and, and that they're having this, this pretty intense debate because they're obviously pretty interested uh, uh, about what's going on. And we're going to discover why they left here in, in just a moment. And, and so as they're, they're, they're traveling along on this seven-mile journey to this town called Emmaus, uh, and, and you got to recognize it's not like seven miles on a, on a paved road here in Harrisburg where you can walk about three miles an hour and get there in about you know two and a half hours or something like that. You're on this dirty, dusty, rocky path. It's you know, up and down, left and right. It's just, it's just a difficult journey. So this journey's probably maybe about four hours along. And, and, and as they're, they're making their way here, uh, a fellow comes up to them. And, uh, you know, we learn something from Luke that these guys don't know. We, we learn that it's actually Jesus. And, uh, but these guys don't, don't, don't recognize that, that, it, that, it's, that it's Jesus. And, you know, he, they just think he's just like an, an ordinary dude, someone who's a, a traveler on the road. And, you know, and that, a lot of times that's kind of the way that Jesus shows up in our lives, folks. He shows up in the midst of, uh, of the ordinary. You know, a lot, a lot of people, you know, when they, when they come to faith in Jesus, they expect that, you know, there's supposed to be these great fireworks and they have this radical transformation and stuff like that. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the reality for most of us is, is that's not how it happens. You know, we're just kind of doing life and Jesus shows up along the way. And... Uh, he transforms our life, not in this crazy, radical, insane way, which sometimes that does happen. But a lot of times he just takes ordinary people who think they're doing all right, and he opens their eyes up to the sin in their life, like he opened my eyes up to the sin in my life, and he reveals himself. And, and so these guys, they're, they're just walking along, and they don't even know that, that Jesus is, is hanging out out with them. And, and so, you know, Jesus looks at them, says, you know, what you talking about? And the guys are, they're kind of, you know, taken back a little bit. And it says there in verse 17, and this tells us the reason why they're leaving folks. In verse 17, it says, and they stood still looking sad. A word that's translated sad can, can, can mean deep despair. I mean, these guys have, have left. Why? 
because they've lost faith. This one that they were following, this one that, they were, were, that, that was teaching them, this one who had given them hope, this Jesus, he had just died a brutal death on a cross. And it was ugly, and it was nasty, and people were worried it was going to happen to them. And now, most probably from their perspective, the greatest insult of all has now occurred that they've desecrated Jesus' body. And if the Romans weren't mean enough and the Jews weren't mean enough, now look what they've done. And, 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 and they, they, you know, forget that, that you know, the women went there and the tomb was empty and angels appeared and all this kind of stuff. You know, you know, Jesus just hadn't delivered the way that they thought he was going to deliver. And so they're heading home, and, 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 and they're having this debate, and, and they're sad, and, and, and they're despairing. And, and, and this guy by the name of Cleopas, one of them, he, he looks at Jesus, who he doesn't know as Jesus, says, where have you been? How can you possibly not know what has happened? The entirety of the city of Jerusalem knows what is going on. That is this, this, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in words before God, and all the people. He's this great guy, and, and, and the chief priests and the, the rulers, they, they, they condemned him to death and crucified him. And they're like, where have you been? Folks, it, it would be like, you know, on uh, the afternoon of, of 9-11, and you're having a, a conversation about 9-11, which everybody on the planet was having a conversation with, and somebody comes up to you and like, what the heck are you talking about? We're talking about this thing called, you know, we're talking about 9-11, and it's like, what's 9-11? And you're like, really? What rock have you been, been living under? And then Cleopas reveals why he's despairing. Why he has lost faith. And there in verse 21, that we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. That word uh, redeem, the, the, the way that it is used there, is he was going to be the one who was going to free Israel. He was going to be the one who was going to remove us from from slavery, that he's going to, uh, to set us free. He's going to take away the, the, the suffering from us. But he didn't do that. And, and folks, here's the reality of it. Jesus hadn't come to, to remove suffering from the world. What did he come to remove? Sin. That's what he came to remove. You know, a lot of us, we find ourselves in a church, Why? Because we think that an encounter with Jesus is going to get rid of our suffering. Our marriage has fallen apart. And we haven't done church in a long time. Maybe we never did church. Our kids are, are losing their minds. Or I've got money problems out the wazoo, whatever the wazoo is. I don't even know what that is, actually. Or something else in my life is, I'm sick, I got cancer. And you come, 
looking for God to remove your suffering. And sometimes God does, but sometimes He doesn't. And if we come to Jesus looking for Him to take away the suffering, and He doesn't do it, we're going to stand there in despair. Because the reality is, while Jesus might take away our suffering, Jesus is interested in something far greater. He is interested in redeeming us from our sin, of freeing us from pain that isn't just temporary, but pain that will last forever. And so that's what's going on here. The, 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 these guys have, have misunderstood Jesus. They, they've misunderstood what, what he was all about. And, and, and you know, it, that kind of makes me feel good from the standpoint that, that these dudes, they were, Jesus was teaching them face to face for what, the last two, three years or something like that. And, and, and they don't get it. So, you know, maybe I'm not quite as thick in the skull as I thought I was. And, and, and so he says to them, he says, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And then and he goes through and, and, and they begin to say, you know, hey, he, he died and he, you know, his body's missing and all of these kinds of things. And, and Jesus looks at them. And he says, you know, you came for the wrong reasons. You're, you're, you're foolish. And he says, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. He's saying, you guys, where's your faith? Do you not believe the prophecies that, that, that were given so long ago and have been so clearly now fulfilled in Jesus? He says, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And then how does Jesus begin to open their eyes? And how does Jesus begin to open our eyes? It's in the next verse. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus took their Bible he took their Old Testament and he began to show them in the Old Testament how everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. That's what he's doing. Now here's what happens to us though. Many of us come along and we encounter the Bible and we look at this Bible and you know what we see in this Bible all we see is rules. That's what we see. Because that's what everybody's been telling us. That this book is just a bunch of rules that you need to fulfill. And they're two, three and a half thousand years old. And so, so many of us, we, we, we look at this just as, as, as a book of morality. You know, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. You know, that, that's what we look at this. That's not what this book is about. This book is about Jesus. That's what this book is about. 
And when we reduce this to just a bunch of rules that we think that we need to follow to somehow make God right with us, we miss the entire point. What's the reason for the rules? The rules are to show, they're not for us to, to, to ultimately obey. They're to show us that we can't obey them. That's why they exist. I mean, that's not, that's not a liberty for us to just go do whatever we want. But, but, but this, the, the rules are designed to show us how incredibly far we fall from God's standard. That's why they're there. And when we reduce them to a bunch of just moralistic things, we miss the heart of God's word because it was all designed, folks, from the very beginning to point us to Jesus. The one who fulfills all of those commands for us. The one who who makes us right before his Father in heaven. And do, do we obey God to be made right with God? Absolutely not. Why do we obey? We obey because we love God and because God has loved us. And, and so our obedience is, 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 is not something that we do to be made right with God. Our obedience is something that we do because we've been made right with God. And these guys, they're, they're struggling to figure this out. And, and, and so... Jesus does what actually happens downstairs in our kids' ministry each and every week. Jesus takes these guys through the Old Testament and shows them how the Old Testament screams out his name. And so you can imagine this conversation that's going on. These guys are just like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? We've never heard these kind of things. And it says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. Or, and, and Jesus acted if he was going to go further. You know, so they're getting ready to stop. You know, they're, they're, they're getting off at, you know, the, uh, you know, the Harrisburg east exit of the turnpike. And Jesus is going to keep heading towards Pittsburgh. And they're like, whoa, stop. Don't, don't do this. You know, hey, it's getting late at night and, and stay with us for the, the, the day is now spent. And, and so he goes with them. And you got to recognize they still don't know who he is. They still have no idea who they're dealing with. And when he's at table with them, he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And folks, this is something that Jesus had done time and time and time again. And these guys, they would have recognized this. You remember Jesus you know, breaks the bread before the 5,000 out in the wilderness, and he feeds them all. Jesus takes the bread before his disciples and says, this is my body you know, broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. And, and, and as he does this very real, very human thing, their eyes are open. And they realize who they're dealing with. They are dealing with this God who wants to be intimately involved in the lives of his people. Not this far off God. 
who can't be known. But this God who shows up in your life when you have no faith and who walks alongside of you and gently along the way begins to reveal himself to you. And then one day, it all makes sense. One day we look up and we're like, oh my goodness. He's been with me all this time. And he really is who he said that he is. And these guys go from no faith to crazy faith. And these guys go from fleeing from Jerusalem. And what do they do? They head back to Jerusalem. And they go back now. And, and, and we know why the tomb is empty, because the guy's not dead. He's alive. And, 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 and these guys who, who have fled from the, the 11 disciples and Mary Magdalene and, and the other Marys, they go back. And, and when they come back, and, and, and they're, they're in Jerusalem, they, 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 they run into the crowd. And, and, and the, the, the disciples that are there, they, they say, the, the Lord has risen. And they don't, they don't say, he's just risen. They say, the Lord has risen indeed. That term indeed means what? With certainty. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is alive. And they say what? That, that he appeared to Simon. And now these guys are back and they're like, yeah, did he appear to Simon? He appeared to us also. And now these ones who had left this place afraid and faithless. Their eyes are opened and their hearts are transformed. And they're back in the community. And they begin this process of doing what the church does. And for the balance of their lives and the balance of the disciples' lives, they spend time telling people about the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. And folks, that's what we're called to do. What Melissa is doing in Italy is the same thing that we need to be doing here in the United States. Because for as dark as it is in Italy, brothers and sisters, it's dark here. And there are tons of people who are living without hope. And there are tons of people who don't need a Bible of morality, but rather a Bible that is overflowing with Jesus. And when we begin to show that, when we begin to, to live lives that have been radically transformed with a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, God will use us. He will use us as his witnesses here in Swatair Township and in the city of Harrisburg and through the regions of central Pennsylvania. Everywhere where we go, he will use us and the gospel will go forth and, and people's lives will be transformed. And Jesus might not take away their suffering, but he's going to take away their sin.
and he will give them strength to endure the suffering. And so if you're here today and the wheels are coming off in your life, I pray that you would recognize that there is this amazing Savior named Jesus who can solve a problem that you don't even realize that you got. Yeah, is marriage rough? Yep. Are kids crazy? Absolutely. Is not having a job rough? You better believe it. But you know that that penalty for sin that you're going to have to pay on your own one day, that's the real problem. And Jesus has paid that price. And when we open our hearts and our lives to him, and he invades it, and he deposits his Holy Spirit inside of us, all of a sudden, all of that suffering and struggles and things like that, it, it comes in a different light. And yes, it's still hard, and is it still painful? Yeah. But there's hope. And there is strength to, to persevere in the midst of that. And that's, that's the good news of this passage. The good news of this passage is that Jesus takes those who have no faith and gives them faith. And Jesus takes those who, who think that, that God's all about removing their suffering and helps them to see that God's more concerned about removing their sin. And then he uses them. And might God do that in my life? And might he do that in your life? Let me pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, this time that we can spend together. And Lord, I thank you that your son on the cross of Calvary paid the penalty for my sins and the sins of those who are sitting in this room. And God, would you help us to see him clearly? Lord, for those in this room who have yet to come to faith in him, I pray that, Lord, today might be the day that they recognize that he's been with them all along. And Lord, that they might fall upon their faces and repent of their sins and turn away from them and turn to your son. And they might receive him in faith. Lord, we recognize that that is a work that only you can do. Lord, draw them to yourself move in a great way. And Lord, for those of us in this room who have come to know your Son, Lord, I pray that you would use us. Lord, in the midst of this broken world, Father, to share the gospel in ways that are beautiful and kind and grace-filled. Lord, so many times we get caught up in, in all of uh, the politics and the news of the day. And Lord, it blinds us from those things that are really important. Help us, Heavenly Father, to, to see those who you bring upon our path as people who desperately need to know you. And Lord, let us 
be used by you to help them understand the great work that you've done. You are good. And you are faithful. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us. And we thank you that you have conquered sin, death, and the grave so that we might not just live, but that we might flourish. And it's through your son's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.